Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another empty and very, very strange day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Justin Blackhurst, founder and chief executive of Digital Next, a leading search marketing and web development agency. Justin, hello. Hi there. How are you doing? I'm well. Thank you for coming on the program. We might as address the um, uh, elephant in the room right away. How has COVID-19 affected your business? Well, um, for for quite a few years now, uh, Digital Next has been cloud-based, so we're using to communicate on systems like Slack. Uh, We use all of the Google tools, um, and we're just constantly communicating via our laptops. So our workforce has been mobile for quite a while. So it's had little to Um, no effect on the actual operation of your business? On the operational side of the business, but then obviously all of our clients are in different scenarios. So um, our interaction with them is a lot of the time they're they're not in the office or they're not available to chat. Um, So so it is a bit of a a, a box of frogs at the minute. Mm, Hmm. And how are you addressing that at this moment in time? So what I've asked all of my staff, because we grow grow businesses online, and uh, we've been doing that for 10 years now. And I've just uh, spoken to the staff, and and we have regular chats on Zoom and Google Hangouts to to help our clients put impact plans together, um, make, make, make sensible decisions, um, and, and put a plan in place, really, instead of knee-jerk reactions to everything. I think what people need to do realize is we will come out of this uh, and put in a strategic plan, step by step, in line with information you're hearing from, you know, um, really good sources, um, and then and then having an exit strategy for your business so you succeed um, in the coming months, years, and then onwards. Well, let's uh, switch back to the subject of leadership. Now, of course, uh, I always like to start these uh, discussions with simply asking the question, what does the word leader mean to you? To me, I think, um, because obviously I'm in charge of around um, we're based, we've got, we've got 30 staff in Manchester and then we've got an operation in Melbourne, Australia. And mm-hmm. I think a good leader is a clear communicator, somebody who remains calm in the face of adversity, reaches out to people, has good um, emotional awareness, mm-hmm. because you can't you can't broad brush um, um, communicate with people and expect to motivate them uh, if you deal with everyone in the in the same way. So I think emotional intelligence is 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 a key one, especially now in you know in the commercial world do you feel that this is a new skill that's popped up in the last few years yeah i think i think people are thinking more about that and things have changed in the in the last 10 years since i've been in business things have changed dramatically and there's a lot more to be taken into consideration now with staff their well-being and you know we even we even uh, we have regular um, team bonding sessions where we go out. Uh, we've done whitewater rafting. 
Um, we we do we go out for bowling. We make sure we do it once a month. Mm. We have a pizza day at work. So I have noticed in the last few years, and I think I probably should have been doing it a lot more uh, in the early stages. But as when you're a startup, it's uh, in the early days when we were a startup, uh, we did we did a lot of these things ad hoc. And what, what, when I look back, we were actually doing them anyway. But now, as the business has got more mature. We're doing it in a more structured way right. and less apart. Now, of course, uh, in in the matter of just uh, about ten years, your business has expanded rapidly. Uh, you have locations on on three continents now, uh, and employ quite a quite a hefty amount of people. Um, yeah. Of course. With leading people, uh, there's inevitable conflict. Uh, people can't always be at their best. Uh, sometimes they don't perform as you'd like them to. How do you resolve this within the workplace? Um, we've got we've got uh, managers in our in our team, um, line managers that manage uh, different teams within the different digital marketing um, sections that we work on. Um, so so. Uh, these managers that have been with me for you know over a period of since the business has started really, mm-hmm. um, and these have been selected because I've seen them as people that we can grow teams around, and the the, the managers we have in place have been really good at communicating and motivating people, and I, and I see and I've observed and they've put those people in their, them places because there's a natural affinity people right to go to them people and and it's and it's become clear that that's that's the um that's the way that was best for the business and those people have been absolutely critical in in our growth now uh let's talk a little bit about yourself um and how your leadership came to being uh let's Mm -hmm. go back to the very beginning of your career um were there any particular influences on you, whether they be an employer or a coworker, uh, who formed the way that you lead today? Yeah, quite a few actually. Um, from from being young, uh, my dad was a structural engineer. Um, he's worked on some huge steel projects around the country, from football stadiums to bridges. So watching him strategically manage projects, and then I used to sit on his knee as a kid and help him finish drawings and things like that and give him ideas. Um, mm. So that'd be one. Um, my old bosses, um, I've, I've sort of um, made a, I hope to, when, when I started Digital Next, I wanted to create somewhere that I would want to work. And I've looked, I looked at ex-bosses and ex-companies that I work for. And I've tried to take the best out of each of those experiences and put it into my business. I mean, um, We've done. We've. I think you can only do your best with something like that, and and. But I've I've consciously tried to to take the positives from my past, and then put them into place and uh, and amend accordingly because you know it's always a work in progress. Um, throughout my life, I'm 37 now. Um, I'm, I'm a uh, Manchester United fan, um, and I've watched Alex Ferguson's reign at Manchester United and he you know rebuilt teams over the years and if you look at his career and the different personalities that he's he's pulled in and pushed pushed out along the way you can see there was a structure and and a clear strategy to what he was doing so I'd advise anyone in this current scenario right now definitely put a plan down make spreadsheets have have um, 
brain dumping exercises onto onto a piece of paper, and you you can quite when when you start writing things down, I find as well, um, things start to become clear, and you can see patterns. Well, this obviously has worked for you. Uh, you were selected uh, recently to serve as a judge for the Great British uh, Entrepreneur Awards. Um, are, yeah. are these uh, aspects of your life uh, that you carry forth in such a way as that you're wishing for your staff uh, to transition into that way of thinking? Or do you uh, accept kind of a, a broad church way of thinking? Um, no, I, I think I was I was actually saying last night... Um, I was sat in my living room to my, to my girlfriend. Um, I think you've got to welcome people with open arms and and, and just hope that they give um, a positive net contribution to the cumulative um, success of, of whether it's a business or, you know, a, a social circle. Um, and then I think that's what you can, you, you can't force people to do anything. You can only encourage and I've and I've always tried to encourage the best in people. It doesn't work sometimes. Sometimes you get a bad apple along the way that that um, rocks the boat and creates a bit of a bump in the road for your business or in your life. Um, and and again, you just got to deal with that situation and mend accordingly. And and I've always tried to be an enthusiastic person. I've played a lot of sport, um, team sports, and and I think having a positive outlook. Um, and encouraging people and looking for the best in people and hoping. And I think humanity is, humans are good people. Um, and, and I just think encouraging people is, is key and, and, and hoping for the best. Well, I think that's an excellent way of looking at life. Uh, unfortunately, our time together has drawn to its close. But before I let you go, what does the next 12 months have in store for Digital Next? Yeah, so we're um, a specialist search marketing agency. Um, we've worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. Uh, and we've helped smaller companies punch above their weight. So I'd say more of that and looking for inter- industries that are emerging out of this current scenario, um, especially in, in, in technology. And, and I think, and I'd just like to advise uh, a lot of, companies out there right now, there are a lot of initiatives, things like research and development tax credits and gaining relief from HMRC so people should look into that Uh, and Facebook and Google are actually um, putting a grant uh, thing in place Uh, I think that's happening in America right now not sure if it's been rolled out into the UK but people contact me and I'm looking into these things so um, there are initiatives out there to help businesses well, Justin, uh, that's excellent news to hear. And I hope uh, that you can come back on the program at some point in the near future. Justin, thank you. Yeah, I yeah, really enjoyed it. Thank you. That was Justin Blackhurst, founder and chief executive of Digital Next. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final. Sir Jeff Hurst, uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar 
um, uh, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, my only game for Essex first team when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't. And, um, yes, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where. Um, so Jeff Hurst was a, a first-class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or, or football, obviously the importance of leadership, it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at football. And uh, they, they quite always mention when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He and He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess. He would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you, you're very... Fortunate, I think you, you, you think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and uh, a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood, and of course a, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that of that caliber can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. Absolutely. And in those early days um, at. West Ham uh, with with a manager like like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players, and of course they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peters? I think probably. Well, I was very fortunate to play with the caliber of the players I did. Again, mm-hmm. again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain. Um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved and what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Noor. Although he was only uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system probably three or four years earlier he played for England in 62, four years before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy in the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership uh, what I do, I do understand clearly all walks of life. Leadership is at the top. is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business uh, in a 
many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction, people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the, the value and quality of leadership. And that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved in my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Al Ramsey. Absolutely. And, um, uh, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously, uh, after uh, at West Ham, your uh, plan came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man, I'm sure, when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, especially thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand, whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you. It can have a great impact on your, <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He, it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very, very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict by the time you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now. But he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out who he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group, part of a team. It is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life, they're all singing off the same hymn suit and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one thing I, one of the most serious ones I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, Jeff, you could uh, perhaps pick right now that did show those uh, qualities in uh, Sir Alf so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team or certainly in the squad and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it. But looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before. I was I was playing and I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be be playing in, in the team but uh, in a couple of friendly games more friendly games before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway I think in Denmark mm. I didn't I played two of the four games and I probably didn't quite replicate my my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England and he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay he started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Hunt. So I, I had an impact of thinking I at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, 
finally got back in the team because of a, a nasty gas shin um, on Jimmy Gray's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Well, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out, mm. out. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about it, people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessarily feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Al showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Uh, we had some great players, but overall, they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realise there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. But the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited to just have a, look, have a glance round, you know. Maybe it does prove there are things that such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one which I won't bore you with. It won't be too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three mm. years ago, and most stupid, irrelevant questions, absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want. You got time. I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go. On. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay. So I was uh, doing a, a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about twenty minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. 
and there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, somebody at the back who who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Uh, well, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but then I again, found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well. So it did, uh, um, it did make again, a laugh that day. If you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but there, there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff, I think. Um, you, you were a young man when see this happened when you must have realized that people teammates began looking at you for leadership um is that something that occurred to you or did you just realize that by by quick one way or the other people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration well possibly that's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now quite frankly that's a new a new question mm. does anybody look up to me I'm sure perhaps uh, there are there are people who pay you compliments of, of uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and of course in, uh, England fans who um, I, I think probably uh, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Well, um, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a uh, helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches, people must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm-hmm. to, to situations on and off the field. Surely, probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team latterly. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader? Um. Well, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude. Is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but. There's more than just being good players in football. It's that a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other in the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck that's absolutely leadership he'd be the best example of course in in football terms today Uh, easily easily 
And of course, going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, the, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes. I can elaborate as much as you want, but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes. Uh, and with, um, and I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so, but um, I'm conscious of the um, time. Um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career, perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England. Who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate, and I wouldn't take any one player out. I think looking at so that, many. yeah, so many, and that's why we were successful because we had so many. Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. But without the attitude alongside that, going back to an earlier question, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts. But with it, yes, the word the word is team, the word is t- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk. Sometimes uh, together, everyone achieves more, and that that's the same in any walk of life. That, that's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking if if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life. What would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-minded, 
single-minded and his dedication, dedication to the job. Um, thinking about that 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 role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. If you, I don't think you can switch off when you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level. You may, you know, have a, wait, have a couple of weeks holiday, but I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organisation. And I think that's, you completely focus, you're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to, nice to have a talk about this and just go over the, over the past and just uh, refresh my, mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence and leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.